This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and our podcast comes to you from our Weatherworks headquarters here in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me, as always, is my good buddy and co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Mike, hey. welcome back to the Weather Lounge. Ah, it's time for a fresh new episode. I, yes. I'm happy to be here, as always. Yeah. So, you know, Mike, uh, it's it's been a frustrating winter. Parts of the country have seen their fair share of snow, uh, more so out west this year. You know, it's been kind of lackluster here in the northeast. But, you know, there's always signs. You know, we're, 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 we're working towards, I think, a colder pattern here towards the end of winter. That, of course, you know, remains to be seen. But, you know, it's, it's, it has been a frustrating winter here in the northeast for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're a snow lover, you always want it to be snowy, of course. Um, but there's always going to be a part of the country that, you know, just isn't going to work out as well as others. And um, But just because there's not a lot of snow going on doesn't mean that you can't be still taking advantage of the situation, taking advantage of the mild weather maybe getting out there doing uh, some other type of jobs to keep things going, especially if you're in the snow and ice industry. This is true, and that's exactly what the topic of this episode is all about. Uh, We're here to talk about how businesses who focus on snow removal in the winter season can take advantage of a milder pattern, which is basically what we've seen uh, other than a couple of, uh, you know, Arctic shots here and there. Uh, Perhaps these things are you know, things that our clients and listeners are already doing. But if not, you may want to uh, pick up on some new ideas here in this episode and maybe even apply to your business. Yeah, right, Brad. And to help us out with the topic today is someone who knows how to take advantage of mild winters. His name is Tom Kennedy. He is the owner and CEO of Kennedy Snow Management. And we'll be with him right after we take this short break. So don't go away. Hey everybody, well how many times have you been burned by a weather forecast? Well, probably a few and it might have cost your business thousands. WeatherWorks is different. We have over 30 meteorologists to give you forecasts, notifications, and weather advice 24-7. Now that could certainly help when it comes down to making those crucial decisions, but there are even more products than that in which WeatherWorks offers, from weather data to historical reports. Call us at 908-850-8600 or visit us on the web at weatherworksinc.com. And oh, don't forget, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. And we're back. Welcome to the Weather Lounge once again. And before the break, we mentioned that we have a special guest on today's episode. His name is Tom Kennedy. And again, he is the CEO and owner of Kennedy Snow Management. Tom, thanks for coming on the podcast and welcome to the Weather Lounge. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. So, Tom, uh, you have an award-winning company in New Jersey. You've been dealing with WeatherWorks for a long time as well. Tell us how it all started, because clearly you have a passion for what you do. Well, I do. I definitely do. I mean, I have a few companies, um, actually six operating companies that I own. My snow company is my favorite. It's I have so much passion for snow. It started at the age of nine, when I was nine years old. Uh, I had a paper route had like 70 customers, uh, used to have to go out on a Saturday to collect the money. So, so basically I asked all 70 uh, on the first Saturday that I was collecting, you know, the, the papers. I said, listen, I cut grass. If you're interested, I can cut your grass on the weekends or after school or whatever. So I ended up the first Saturday out of the gates. I had a, the first week I had a paper out of 70 customers and I ended up getting eight and one. So also that same week. 
So, you know, those people, I did their driveways with snow, you know, shovel and a snow blower. And then by the time I was, you know, I turned to 17, I bought my first truck when I was 16. I spent the whole year. I was very mechanical. You were able to retire at 18, weren't you? I was trying, but <laughs> that, that wasn't in the cards. And you know what? I'm, I'm a type A person. So I, I don't see, I'm 55 now. I don't see myself retiring anytime soon. Um, so, you know, by the time I got my license, I, I had, I don't know, so many driveways and things like that. And then little by little, we started filtering parking lots. And, and that's where uh, we ranked 12th in the country in our, in our size of our snow company. We do a lot of big stuff. Um, we had, I don't know if you remember, back in 2014, the Super Bowl was at MetLife Stadium uh, over here in East Rutherford, New Jersey. We ended up getting the contract for that. And of course, a week before the Super Bowl, we had 14 inches of snow that we had to remove. Um, and we got that done. I mean, I had my contract is anywhere from 200 to 500 people to bring in that stadium, clean it out. And, and we nailed it. We got it. And it was like a Day and a half, no more than two days. We got all 14 inches of snow out. Um, so I'm just, I'm just passionate about that. I do a lot of guest speaking. I do expert witness work for attorneys, which actually helps me on my end with my contracts. Is I see what these guys are looking for, you know, when it comes to slip and falls and the devil's in the detail when it comes to snow contracts, you know. So yeah, so that's that's basically it. Uh, all all aspects of the snow company, I'm heavily involved in that. Um, and, you know, as far as the equipment and all our standard operating procedures, uh, everything, even down to the salt. Like I, I'm involved with buying salt directly in from Egypt or bring it in on, on, on a ship, you know. So um, all little aspects of, of, of the snow where you can save money, make money, get involved with snow, I'm part of it. It's funny that you have almost a similar kind of story where I started because I actually started in the landscaping and lawn care business. Uh, my buddy's friend had a company. I started working with them on the side when I was probably 14 or 15 years old. And I had a passion for weather too. And I used to get out there, you know, shoveling, plowing snow, whatever, of course, when I was old enough to drive. Um, but I just took it the other direction. Instead of going into the landscaping field, I went into the weather field um, to take it from that direction and, and figure out why this happens and, 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 and to help you guys um, plan so much better uh, for these systems. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we really rely on, on, on you guys, on meteorologists to forecast. It helps us game plan how we're going to approach the storm, uh, manage it throughout the storm and even after the storm, what the temperatures are going to be, are there going to be winds where it's going to dry out things or, or whatever the case is. But it, I mean, without you guys, our job will be a lot more difficult than it already is. Right. And that's something we really strive. And it's not an easy job because if you guys are wrong, if you guys <laughs> are ever, if you're wrong, it's like you're the bad guy, you know? Uh, hundred percent. You know, we understand, we, we understand you guys are planning based on what we were telling you. So if thing go if something goes wrong within that forecast, the timing's a little bit off or 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 there's a little more, a little less snow, we understand that that really impacts you. And that's why we really strive to be the best at communicating the weather to you guys that it's most effective um, for your operations that you can make decisions based on it and not just saying that hey uh three to six inches of snow is going to fall but we're trying to nail down when is that first inch going to fall for you guys 
Um, is it going to stick on pavements? Is it going to be variable? When will it start sticking on pavements? That way you can plan your attack on that storm a lot better. And it's not just a general forecast. That is correct. So when we look at the weather, Tom, it's a year-round consideration. Yes, it's super important during the winter, um, especially when it comes to snow and ice. But there's also benefits of having this weather information year round. And I mean, how would you use the weather information even when it's not snowing and it's, it's more of a milder pattern? I mean, it, we use it year round regardless. We have to with, with, our, with our, our landscape company, we also own a garden center, which also relies on, on uh, you know, the weather. But as far as planning the, the, the jobs that are going on, planning, you know, the crews that are gonna go out, if it's going to be, you know, 100 degrees one day, you know, we're going to work, start the guys a little earlier, knock them off at one, two o'clock in the afternoon, prevent the heat stroke thing, or, or we're going to just show up at, you know, with waters. The managers are going to be loaded with waters and Gatorades and things like that for the guys. Um, and as far as rain, you know, if we have to make a, you know, like a delayed start, we do that at times. If the rain's going to stop by nine o'clock instead of bringing the crews in for seven. Maybe we'll bring them in at 8.30, so, you know, it stops at 9, they're out already out of the yard. We, we do that quite often, um, you know, but we, we rely on the weather year-round, you know. We really do for planning our projects and keeping the crews, you know, moving in the right direction. So when we get into these milder patterns like we've been having in this winter, you know, how do you, as a landscaper side and contractor side, how do you take advantage of, of the quieter, you know, snow removal side of things? I'm I'm still trying to figure out what, what we did to piss off the snow gods. I, I really am. <laughs> like nothing. We didn't drop our I don't know what we did. I really don't. We we didn't drop our plows one time this whole winter. Yeah, we believe me, if if we can get some snow into this pattern, our meteorologists are looking for it too. Um unfortunately it just hasn't worked out. Um every time the pattern has looked on the cold side it just ended up being more in the way of dry. It's just cold and dry, you know, rather than getting that moisture to meet up with the cold air this year. Well, and, and, and just as an example, like this past December had a look to it, at least the upper level look and the upper air look to it. It resembled something that in a previous winter brought with it lots of snow. We had basically one week of cold weather around Christmas, uh, but the pattern itself was there. It just, it just seems like the atmosphere didn't take advantage of it. And it was so frustrating as a meteorologist because we're like thinking this is it. And when we're going to get like storm after storm after storm and it's something just, it was always something that, like Mike said, there was something that would, that would not occur that wouldn't, you know, meet up at the right time between the moisture and the cold and vice versa. So, I mean, it's just been really frustrating on our end too. I see some some Arctic uh, some some cold air mass coming down through Canada and everything like I think toward the end of this week so maybe maybe that'll help help a little bit next week you know we'll see yeah there there is a little bit of a uh, a little more favoritism I should say towards getting some colder air um, towards the end of um, you know February into early March so there is that chance in there for sure. Um, but with this winter's track record, we don't want to be, you know, blaring the, uh, trumpets out there saying, here comes the snow because exactly, exactly. It, it's very hard to do that at this point in time, especially as we get more, uh, get closer to spring. Um, 
but when it is mild like this, there, there, there's got to be things that can keep your company driving forward and, and still, you know, you know, doing well and making profit. So, I mean, what, what's involved here? Do you think, do you, is there tree work involved or hardscaping? Let just give us a rundown of what you guys have been doing. Definitely hardscape. We have some, some big commercial jobs that we, we had signed and we kind of stopped in December and then a couple that we actually just started up this winter because it's so it's, it's there's, we have guys available to work. The weather is favorable. The ground is not frozen. So let's get these guys out the door and start working. So we've got a jump start on two of the, the new commercial projects we're working on. Them. Um, so we're taking advantage of that. And actually we've been doing a little bit of planting too. You could still plant as long as the ground is not frozen. You know, you put the plants in, make sure they're mulched in, you know, because the mulch will take up any frost that may occur. So we've been doing some of that, but mainly the, the hardscape. Uh, tree work is definitely a good thing to do. Um, we don't do, I used to have a full tree service, bucket truck, chippers, the whole nine yards. I, I just sub it all out now. I'm, I'm done with the tree work, but we do have our tree guys doing some of our work right now. Right now is a great time to prune and shape the trees because there's no leaves on the trees, you know? Um, what else do we do? Firewood. I started a business, this has got to be 30 years ago, firewood. Um, we have a very big clientele of firewood customers. Most of the firewood has already been delivered. We start that right after Labor Day. Um, but I still have guys making firewood and it'll be around for next year. So let's get a jump start on it. But that was always one of our things to keep guys busy in the wintertime is, is, is firewood, you know? Um, Another thing that we're doing is we're prepping all our landscape equipment, just going through a top to bottom, cleaning, power washing, um, you know, just going through, inspecting it, changing the fluids and greasing, um, painting the insides of the enclosed trailers that we have that all the, the equipment goes down the road in, just making everything ready to roll. So when we pull the trigger uh, come March, we're ready to roll. The guys just come in and go, you know. Um, what else do we do? What else do we do? Internal office procedures like we work on our like our, our standard operating procedures we're always tweaking and 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 trying to update and fine-tune how we have meetings things that went wrong last year you know let's improve them for this year and especially with the bad winter we have the revenue is not there so whatever we do in landscape we have to be very efficient you know try to try to be as efficient as we can to make as you know as much money as you, as you can similar to what we had back in the uh when we had the recession back in the late 2000s, um, where we had a, we kept the, we kept everything moving, but people weren't spending the money that we're, we're used to because there was a recession going on. Um, things I used to do, I don't really do much of it anymore. But um, some of the guys that might be listening to this or, 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 or ladies are foreclosures. So you, I used to pick up two foreclosure uh, houses back like in October, November every year. And I just put my guys in between snowstorms inside to gut the houses, to paint them. I was always lucky to have guys on hand for our construction crews. I know how to do sheetrock, you know, tile work. Sometimes I lucked out with that. And uh, so I used to pick up a couple houses and, you know, I used to renovate them and either flip them, sell them or rent them come spring. Um, and that was something that we kept the guys busy with. Uh, painting is another thing, you know, if you want to. Throughout the year, you have we have customers that just they like us. People like to do business with people they like. So we have customers that want us to do like everything, you know. So like we'll tell them, we'll tell them, you know, like maybe in the winter time we'll do some painting for you. 
so I've put some guys inside. We can do some some house painting. Uh, we've done we've done um, uh, fireplaces, stone fireplaces in the wintertime. What better is that? The guys they build outdoor kitchens outside, you know. And if it's snowing and the, the weather's not favorable for that, why not go inside? So these are jobs that you can line up throughout the year and just pull the trigger in the wintertime in between you know snowstorms to keep the guys busy or in a, in, a, in, a, in a low winter like this, so, you know, low snow winter that we're having, you know? I've never heard of that foreclosure. I mean, you're talking about like, like flipping houses, basically, right? Uh-huh. Oh, I, I was heavily, I got, I got very heavily involved in it, and it kind of started where I got all these guys, and I, got, I can't have them going out and finding factory jobs or finding different things. So I think one winter I actually picked up three properties, and I always picked them up in the, in the fall, you know? Right now, the foreclosure market is not what it used to be. And I'm talking back in the, in the 90s and the 2000s, the, the foreclosures were great. Now, some of these properties that you'll find are, uh, the prices are what you would expect to pay for a realtor. You know, it's, it, it's not what it used to be, but it used to be very lucrative. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a good, it was definitely a good gig. Yeah, I could definitely tell, Tom, that you are certainly an entrepreneur (laughs) when it comes um, to business, because I I like how you're finding basically any avenue that can potentially get you some extra revenue during the winter season. And I think a lot of people, you know, not to say they aren't, but maybe they just kind of open that open your mind to some new things that you may not, may not have a lot of experience in, but if it's paying some of those bills, Hey, why not give it a shot? Well, every one of my businesses, like I said, I I have six operating companies. Each one of them, it, it feeds off of a need from another one of my main companies. My main company was Kennedy landscape and then it broke off to Kennedy snow management. And then we moved into a facility where we are in Wayne right now on a four acre site uh, to, to Kennedy garden center. Okay. So we have a garden center. Then I have, um, then I have big dog equipment. We have so much equipment. It's ridiculous. So my company, it's, it, we buy and sell equipment, you know, we use equipment. So all my trucks and equipment that are used for landscape for snow, they lease the equipment from big dog. Okay. And big dog sells a lot of equipment on a yearly basis. I also rent equipment to the contractors through big dog. Okay. Um, and then I was, I was running into this problem where it was costing me a fortune. Cause I'm talking equipment. I'm talking big loaders, bucket loaders and things like that. Um, to move this equipment around was costing a fortune. And a lot of it we were picking up out in uh, Illinois. That's where we buy brand new loaders and they come from Illinois. So I'm paying a fortune. So, you know what? I went out and bought three road tractors. I have low boys. And I keep my, my people, my drivers move equipment now and then we'll drop equipment off at other, you know, people that are renting from us. Um, and then, all right. So after all the loaders are picked up, we start picking them up in the summer. And by the time, you know, November, December, by Thanksgiving, usually all the loaders are out on their sites. I bought a couple flatbeds. So now that guys are running, they have a run almost every day from Pennsylvania, two and a half hours from where we are to Brooklyn or Queens. Uh, dropping off brick, you know, like, I don't care what it is, you know, whatever it takes, these trucks have to stay moving because now I own them and I got drivers that need work, you know, last year, last winter, we didn't do it this winter, but last winter we were working for Amazon, Trader Joe's, TJ Maxx, and it was, it was motor only, which means just the truck. So we're hooking up to their trailers and this is like Christmas time. Like the guys are working seven days a week. 
we're done moving equipment. I got nothing for these guys. So here you go, guys. Here you got the trucks. Let's go. Let's go deliver to Trader Joe's or PJ Maxx. I don't care. Amazon, you know. So it, it, it offshoots into different directions. And then this is my final thing. And it, it backfired on me this year. But you know what? It's not like it's a total loss. I, we buy a lot of salt. We buy a lot of salt. I have a separate company called uh, Salt Depot. So I went in and I bought a ship of salt from Egypt. Like that was very, very expensive to buy a whole ship, okay? It's not snowing. We deliver to our clients, our customers and stuff already, but nobody's reordering because nobody's using anything. So I'm stuck with so much salt throughout this whole year, you know? So it's okay. It won't go bad. We'll use it next year. Hopefully we get some snow next year. So that's what I was, that's what I was going to ask. I, you know, you have this big stockpile of salt. That's not something that goes bad. That's something you can keep on hand. That's something you can use for next year. You know, you don't have to get rid of it. Correct. No, it's, it's there. We'll have it tarped up correctly. And uh, it'll be there for next year. Yeah, I guess moisture is the only, uh, you know, something that could really ruin that, right? But as long as you keep it dry, it's fine. Yeah, as long as you keep it tarped up, you know. And not only that, I got pallets upon pallets upon pallets, which we pick up ourselves with our flatbed trailers of of, of ice melt, calcium, you know, bagged ice melt. Uh, so that's also going to have to sit tarped for the winter also, for the summer also, you know. Well, the good thing for you, Tom, is that I remember several years ago, I don't know how long it was, um, but we did do some analysis into winters that were very, very low on snowfall, basically. Um, And it seemed like we definitely, it's really hard to get another lean winter right after a very very lean winter so it almost like balances itself out i know it sounds like very like simplistic like oh we had no snow last year we're going to get more this year but it's extremely rare almost like i I don't even know what the percentage was but um, extremely rare to have another very very lean winter after one that was that way so there should be a big uptick next winter without even looking at any type of global patterns and things like that, that our long range guys do. Um, just from historical, just data. from historical mm-hmm. data and climatological spec respect, uh, sorry, perspective. Um, that's what we, we generally see. So that salt that you have should be good. We'll be able to <laughs> work on that next year. Um, that's for sure. So as, you know, as we have this milder winter now, you know, what, what, I mean, would you rather have a salt? I mean, granted, we still have some time left. I would say another month of, you know, we, we know there's always shenanigans here in the Northeast in March. I mean, it could either be 70 degrees or we can have a snowstorm too. Now, would you rather have a decent snowstorm still at this point or are you just ready to just throw in the towel? Oh, no, we definitely want. Definitely, okay. Definitely, definitely want <laughs> I was just ready just to move on to move on to spring. <laughs> I'll take I'll take even one plowing and a couple saltings just to help out, you know? Yeah, I hear you. The amount of preparation that goes into getting all the trucks fitted with the salters, putting the salters back on because they're out landscaping throughout the year, getting the plows put on, you know? I mean, we test this all in October. We put the plows on, we put the salters on, 
and it's done on a Saturday. And then at the end of the day, we take we test them. We always have a mechanic on like on right there working with the guys, putting them on. Anything that's broke, we fix it. And then at the end of the day, everything comes off. So we go back out on landscape on Monday. But it, the amount of preparation, delivering the machines to the jobs, and uh, you know, it, it's just it's a big undertaking all logistics. Yeah, something would be nice. That's for sure. Uh, I know a lot of guys are working on it. And, and look, I mean, like Brad said, we are we still do have time. We've still had big storms going into March. It's not out of the ordinary. Um, so I, I I gotta imagine we're gotta get a good storm in there somewhere here before the year is out, where at least we get a plowable event. And not only that, Mike, you know, yeah, a couple of years ago, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but, you know, we had a pretty significant pattern change uh, in February of 2018 at the end of it. And then we got just crushed in March of 2018. I think there were four nor'easters. Not again, not saying this is going to happen. I'm not saying there's any kind of reasoning for this, but it happens. You never know. It, there could be a, you know, a change to the entire, you know, uh, overall pattern where we do have, you know, at least some kind of winter going forward. So we can't, even if it's seasonable for March, it does spell snow for the Northeast still. It's still cold enough. Now, would you guys, being what you said, what, back in 2018, were you able to, middle of February, see like your crystal ball can read a little bit, a few weeks out maybe, were you able to kind of foresee March being as heavy as it was or April, I mean, not April, um, you know, the end of February, and were you able to foresee that? I I believe when I'm when I'm thinking back that we were able to, uh, likely about two weeks or so out, we were able to see that that pattern was going to start shifting into that very active pattern. Um, there are times when it's very evident that that pattern will change. Um, I remember one um, might have been the middle of January one year where we saw a pattern shift where this high pressure blocking pattern was going to move over Greenland and retrograde into Canada, which basically says to the cold air, hey, get out of here. <laughs> and it shoves it into the to the U.S. Um, and that was very evident that that would happen. Uh, and we knew that February was going to be a big month. And it just right like clockwork. I know we went on a local uh, radio station that we do the weather for, and I went on for an interview and I said, this is going to happen. And to this day, they still say to me, you were right on back in that February. You know, you know, I can't believe how accurate you were uh, with that pattern change and which is so great. Um, now, currently from what we're seeing there's nothing that's extremely evident that the pattern is going to change. Like we do see signs of that happening, you know, during uh, probably over the next week where there's something called a uh, sudden stratospheric warming that can happen, which basically allows the polar vortex over the northern half of the of the globe to break up into pieces and allow colder air to funnel into the uh, United States and over into Europe and things like that. Um, so we do see that trying to get going and that could impact our weather. There's usually a bit of a delay, maybe a week or two delay until you start seeing some effects from that. So we do see towards the end of the month here in February into early March that that is a period we have to watch 
to see this pattern change. It's still going to be active. Maybe we get enough cold air finally working in here to get some um, decent snows uh, coming through. At least a better um, risk for some, yeah. <laughs> but I would say this. I mean, even though I give you that, um, I, I don't see it like being so evident and so stark that we know this is going to happen. It's favored to happen, but I wouldn't say for a definite, oh, yeah, we're going to get slammed. So that's just that's just something to keep in the back of your mind. And a lot of times with these events, too, this is very high up in the atmosphere we're talking like above you know 40 50,000 feet now what that if it can translate all the way down to the surface here that's the question and we're not positive about if, if there's you know you, you still need some kind of a almost like the upper level to talk to the lower level and say okay come on down like price is right if not it's gonna keep all that cold air you know up uh, up in the, the higher parts of the atmosphere and it doesn't really translate down here so again it's it's like mike says it's very fickle these kinds of things and sometimes they work out where it's a colder trend and sometimes it's just like as is so and the other trouble is too when you see this breakup happening it's very possible that the cold air could go into europe eastern europe western europe instead of going over the northern portion of the united states here so um, something we kind of need to work the kinks out here through the end of the season. Um, but certainly some chances, that's for sure. So let's touch on one last thing here, Tom. Um, snow removal contracts. Let's talk about contracts a little bit because they're different every winter. I'm sure, I'm sure you have some contracts that are year round versus, you know, per event and, or per winter. Um, how, how a winter with this much variability to it? And like, how does that differentiate between other contracts? Well, thank God for they're called seasonal contracts. And I always, I don't really go lower than 35% of our portfolio. This year, I think we're at about 40% of our portfolio are seasonal. So we get paid regardless if it snows or not. And it's broken out in either five or six months worth of payments. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't want to be the one signing those checks. Uh, you know, the people that have the contracts because they're paying for, you know, but the best way to get a seasonal contract would be a three-year contract, okay? Because over three years, you guys know better than I do, you're going to get a heavy, middle, and light, you know? Not this light usually, as light as we have this year, where you're doing a lot of nothing. We've salted a few times, and that's it, you know? Um, but, that, yeah, those are the contracts. And then, so basically, we, we were able to cover our salaries, our equipment payments, our truck payments, Keep the lights on basically with our seasonal contracts because listen if it snows we have to be here we can't be out of business we have to have workers you know and uh that kind of stuff so so that's what's good about the seasonal and then you know the per event your per push and hourly contracts those are the other three type of contracts we're filtered in between the other 60 percent of our contracts and basically at this point that's gravy money you know because the seasonals kind of we figure it out we're takes care of all our expenses over winter. Yeah, it, that sounds like a great plan, honestly. Keep everything running, keeping everybody paid with those seasonals, and then anything on top of that is bonus um, with the other accounts. Um, and that's something we try to assist you guys with. Um, I don't know if you've used it before, but we have these snowfall climatologies. We like to call them snowtistics, where we can break down basically the last 5, 10, 15, even 30 years, 
you know, into, you know, hey, what your averages are, what your extremes are, um, what your event counts look like, how many coding to inch events, how many six to 12 inch events that you're typically going to see at a particular location. So we try to give that information to you guys in the snow and ice industry so that, you know, you can plan for that variability and maybe that's help for you. Like, I don't know how you guys structure everything, but maybe that helps you, you know, create some ceilings and, and things like that when it comes to your contract negotiations. Well, it definitely does because we, the best contract is a seasonal contract. The best type of seasonal contract is something with a cap. So if it's 45 inches, 48 inches, 50 inches, whatever it is, that's where your analytics would come in handy to say, all right, you know what, Cranford, New Jersey, let's see what the average snowfall is in that area over three years or 10 year average, whatever, whatever you guys do. And that, that gives us a good, you know, guideline to where we want to put our seasonal cap number. Um, there's, I only have one contract that has, it's called a floor. So if you don't get the amount of snow, it's a seasonal with a floor and a cap, but I don't do, I don't do floors. So this was presented to us by uh, the people that own the management company. Um, so this year it's going to work in their favor. We're not going to get the total cap money. We're going to have to give back some, you know, at the end of the season, but luckily we only have one of those contracts. So that, that way it makes it fair for both parties. Right. Know? And I mean, I've listened to some contractors in the past and, and, they kind of equate seasonal contracts to almost like an insurance plan or you you always have, yeah, you always have car insurance, right? For that time you get into an accident. Um, But sometimes you don't, you might be years before you get into any type of fender bender, but you still pay into that insurance because the time it does, you're covered, you're ready to go. You're prepared for it. And on your guys' side, yeah, it didn't snow much, but hey, if there's two feet of snow, <laughs> you are covered. Your your property is covered and everybody's taken care of. And it definitely is an insurance policy if you want to look at it like that. Definitely, definitely. And that's why we do it because of these winters that you've had like this. You know, this I don't remember a winter this low in a long time, you know, but it's uh, it's definitely a good thing we have our percentage on a you know a 40% this year of seasonal is definitely a good thing. And maybe this changes things for the future for people. Maybe they're going to consider a different structured contract or or maybe like you said increasing that seasonal uh, portfolio with the contracts. Um, you know and I and I I do a lot of, I do a lot of guest speaking and actually this Thursday I have a full day class the New Jersey Landscape Contract Association it's like from 8 to 4 it's a whole snow class that I'm putting on. And one of the big things, one of my PowerPoints is talking about the types of contracts and your portfolio. And I, I'm a big advocate of seasonal contracts. I know a lot of guys, like I didn't really like seasonal contracts. We were forced to take them. You want this account? You want to work for this big management company? They give, they want a seasonal account. I'm like, okay. So then all of a sudden you got a, you got a bunch of these contracts and it doesn't snow. And I'm like, you know what? This is not too bad. So I came up with the ratio of 35 to 40, try to keep it below 40%. I know a lot of guys that have had no, they're totally against seasons. Come spring, you have a bad winter like this, and they're selling equipment, 
They're selling trucks. They're selling one guy. Oh my God. He had, I think five or six tractor trailer loads of like ice melt that he's selling. He had it in a warehouse and he's selling it because he needs to pay his, you know, his payments, his mortgages, everything, you know, and he had no, he had no income all winter. So, you know, rather than, you know, he had to liquidate what he had. You can avoid all that with seasonal contracts. So to this day, he has seasonal contracts. I, I got in his ear and, you know, he, he, he now, I mean, he lived it. He went through that having to sell things, you know? Right. And then we definitely come across a lot of them, even with just talking um, with our clients about um, the upcoming weather and, and, some of them are very stressed and some of them are looking for every possible little event that, that, and, and is this or it going, going to happen or not going to happen? I need, I need to be prepared. And some are in the vein of, Hey, I'm good. You know, don't worry about it. So right there, you could probably see who has more seasonal contracts versus who has more per inch contracts. Um, we definitely come across two times, two types of people um, when we talk to them on the phone, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it's sad. It really is. Because if this is what you do and you need this money, you rely on it. People have families, you know, mouths to feed, keep a roof over your head, you know, and it doesn't snow like this. And it, it'll put a hurt. And it's been a tough couple of years. I mean, you know, going back to, you know, COVID, of course, and then, you know, the last three years have not been easy for a lot of folks. And, and between this and this, you know, lean winter and then, you know, all the staffing issues I'm sure folks had with, with the, the COVID. And it's just, you know, it just seems like the last three years have it felt like 10 years in my life. I don't know why. It's just, just, it's been a very slow three years for some reason. Yeah. Well, three years ago, like, okay. So three years ago, it was, the winter was, it was okay. We had some salting events and maybe a couple of plowings. Then February opened up the floodgates. It was amazing. I do the remember that. Snow, we were getting snow almost. Uh, I remember February 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th. We were, it was snowing every day. It was crazy. We were moving. It went from having a very light winter to having to relocate, haul snow off sites, you know, to make room for more parking. It was, it was amazing. We had a great, a great February. And then it snowed into March. Not much, maybe, you know, the first week of March, we got a little something. Then last year was, was I don't think we plowed more than a couple times last year, two to three times maybe. Um, and then uh, salting. Salting is great. You make a huge amount of money if you price it right and, you know, you buy your salt right. You, you make, because you have less labor on the road, less trucks. Um, you know, the guys are going, instead of plowing three parking lots or two parking lots, they're whipping through 15, 18 parking lot salting, you know, in the same amount of time frame, you know? Uh, so that was last winter this year. I think we we're at event five or six. We cover a pretty big area in New Jersey. We go down Brunswick, Cranford, uh, Edison down that way, all the way up to, uh, like West Milford. Um, and we go into uh, Fishkill, New York also. So Fishkill is nice. You get, you get snow up there when you get nothing or rain here, you know? Um, but it's uh, it's nothing it, it, to have that many events is nothing. It's, it's, it's even I don't even think we salted every like the, the few events that we had this year. I don't think we did 100 percent of our customers. It was broken up a little bit. You know, the last one was more of a southern and a north like a western event where we didn't have anything. I'm in Wayne, nothing in Wayne at all. And as soon as you hit a town called Totowa Clifton, 
then it, then we start salting down there. You know, it's like in, in Totowa is literally you could be in Totowa in four miles from where we are in Wayne. Wayne New Jersey is one of those states that you know with the elevations and it's just very very weird. You talk to people around the country and they're like, "What? Really? That happens over there?" I'm like, "Yeah, because of the mountains and you know the urban heat island too gets urban, involved yeah, there. You get into that." Newark and Rutherford, I mean, all the, you know, basically the hot spots of, of the northeast part of Pennsylvania or of New Jersey. And then you get out, you know, just a little bit outside of the urban areas. And like you said, it, it could be a whole different world. Yeah. I mean, that's that's just the nature of of the northeast. Close close to the coast, I mean, you don't typically see as much snow. I mean, further inland and it's only talking about 50 miles or or so, you know, you could be getting clobbered. Um, that's what makes the weather interesting and also very difficult to predict at the same time, um, here on the East coast, um, companies like you guys are just focusing on, man, where is the heaviest going to fall? And, and, and that's the difficult, most difficult thing. To- right. And like Tom said, yeah, and like Tom says, some of his properties get impacted a lot more than others. And it's just like, you know, like he didn't even go to 100% of his properties yet this year. And here we are, you know, late February. It's crazy. Well, it's interesting that he said about the um, February a few years ago where he was just one after the other after the other. I've noticed that recently, you know, probably over the last five years. I've been working here almost 15. Um, and it just seems like there's always a point in the winter where you run into a two-week stretch that's just one after the other and you're working crazy hours all the time and you're like oh my god is is this ever going to stop it's crazy um now that hasn't happened yet this year and i wish i had some of that this year those sleepless nights man (laughs) yeah you know you you know you're making you're making money yeah there was uh, there was several years ago where new england got hit with um 120 inches of snow or something like that and i think most of it fell during the month of february and my forecasting job was was almost fairly easy because every storm that came through was an all snow event you knew there was going to be a lot you started three four days out thinking hey this is going to be a six to 12 inch event or more so they already knew that they're getting into that significant event category um i wish i had some of that this year honestly um <laughs> a lot of the events oh i'm sure tom's the same way too i mean just like us we would rather just have a straightforward you know four to eight inch snowfall event yep. it starts here it ends in eight to 12 hours you go out and you clean up, you know, all this junk with the, no, oh, it's going to change over to freezing rain. That's going to go back to snow. Then it may go back to some rain at the end. It's hard to, not only hard to forecast that, but it's hard to, like Mike had said earlier, communicate that to our clients and tell them, you know, because they want specifics too. And and truthfully on our end, we don't, we can't say, oh, it's going to change. And, and Tom knows this, I'm sure. You can't say, oh, it's going to change the snow in Totowa at 2 a.m., you know, it, it's it's frustrating on everyone's parts, and, and we understand, and I think our clients understand to a point. And like Tom said, you know, we're not the bad guys. We're, we're trying to do the same thing and communicate whatever we can to you guys. Yep, and and you know, to talk about uh, our our forecast service just a little bit, that's where we're trying to shine for you guys. That's where we're trying to be better than what you're going to see on your phone app, or better than what you're going to see on the TV. Um, so that you guys can plan and just 
take advantage of every possible minute because we know it costs you tons of money to have all your crews out there um, and, and, and there's nothing going on. So we're doing our best to try to get you in that here's when you're going to need uh, to get out there to mobilize your, your crews um, because we know time is money and it always is almost everywhere is time is money. So, you know, it's, it's the old uh, adage or whatever you want to call it. Um, but that's, that's what we're working to, to provide you guys is the best information. So even in a lean winter, we can still give you that information where you can make it as profitable as possible when these tough storms hit. Well, that, that's definitely why I said when we first started talking, you got, we, we need you guys, you know what I'm saying? It's, uh, even though you guys are the bad guys sometimes, <laughs> yeah, you know? I know. <laughs> But it's, it is what it is, it's, you know, they, they say it changes like the weather, right? You know, and uh, the weather changes as it changes, you know? Well, uh, Tom, I, I think this was a really great talk. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I think there was a lot of good things that snow and ice contractors can pick up from this conversation. I hope they really take a lot from it. And, and truthfully, Tom, we we weren't planning on doing this podcast in February. We were because, because under the circumstances, this is why we're doing this podcast. We're hoping to have you on for different reasons at some point. Hey, listen, anytime you guys need me, this is what I love snow. So yeah. anytime you guys need to talk about something and guaranteed the topic that you want to talk about, I've already talked to somebody or dealt with it somewhere along the line. Right. You know? Well, we, we appreciate that for sure. So we'll be sure to bring you on, Tom, next time when we're just getting slammed. Um, yeah, yeah, that'll be the other one. <laughs> Tom, let's talk about the last four yeah. blizzards that yeah. moved through. How here. have you dealt with those? Um, so let's let's how, how let's hope how to deal with a very active winter. Yeah. <laughs> let's hope it's the other way around next year, and we can have the same conversation in 2024. Uh, yeah, there you go. We'll do the podcast from the truck. There you go. There you yeah, go. that's the thing. Yeah, the truck or the hotel room. Whatever. I still listen. I I. For years, I used to run the storm from the office, and there's reasons why that happened. I would never, like, oh my, I can't imagine ever not going out in a snowstorm, but there's something that happened one year that forced me to go to stay in the office, and my guys were like, Tom, please, stay in the office. The, the storm ran so much smoother, you know, it don't don't come out in the field no more. But, you know, that lasted for a few years, and then I ended up, like, getting good staff in my office where, like, I don't need to be here. So I bounce around. I don't have a set schedule. So I go around where we're running light or I go out and inspect, you know, I look to where our biggest payroll is, where we're spending the most money and I'll go down there. We have one site that's like 200 people on that one site, you know, so that's a big expense, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I bounce around and I help and I bring coffees and so, but I still, I stay out there the whole duration of the storm. I, I love it. You know? So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. You're the guy out there, you know, just checking up on things, making sure everything's going smoothly. Your guys are ready to go. Um, they have the, some food and coffee. I remember one story from my plowing days. Um, I had a storage center that I was doing and I was so beat. I don't know how long I was out there working. It was definitely over 24 hours and I, I had run out of coffee and I'm just like, I, I just got to go get a, a coffee, go down to the Wawa or whatever it might be. And of course, I leave and my boss shows up at the site. <laughs> so where's Mahalik at? Yeah. So I'm there at the wall. I get my coffee, my 
phone starts ringing. Where the hell are you, man? What, what's going on? This place isn't even done, and and you're not here. And I'm, and I'm like, oh man, like that. Like I was struggling just to stay in the game and not like you know run into any of those yellow concrete poles on the side of the buildings. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. So it's nice that you're out there and, and, and providing, you know, some coffee to your guys out there who might be out there working who knows how long. Well, this is one cool thing that the, the other contractors might take away with. We, we did this years ago, uh, when, our, when the company was smaller, but now it's like, I'd have to have a fleet of these things. Um, we had a van, an old van. Okay. And we converted it into, we had shelves and things like that. And we had fruits and, you know, different snacks. And we had like different cubby holes in there, you know, coffee, uh, I think it was hot chocolate and there was waters. And we used to, I had someone driving it around and stopping at sites and giving and feeding my people. When we used to go to restaurant depot before a storm and load up, just load it up. Um, so that worked well for a bunch of years. Then, um, now then what happens, we got too spread out. So my managers, we'd go, same thing, go to, um, Restaurant Depot, and then we would load their vehicles up and they would stop out because now we could cover more distance, but it wasn't like one vehicle that was geared and set up for that, you know? Um, so then what MetLife, I took a, a golf cart that I had and I put a, I built a bed on the back of it and I call, called it the motivational mobile, <laughs> right? And I was go around and my supervisors, because each supervisor is in charge of 20 or 30 workers, they would, they, they would grade them, right? These are the top 10 in this group. Right. So they come out and get their, their coffee, they get their snacks, whatever they want. Then the second batch would come out and then the guys that were the, the slackers were, they'd have to wait, you know? <laughs> so, you know, so it, it, it worked out well. I mean, MetLife is great. They feed us, but this is like an in-between thing. I would run around and, and I was the guy on that thing. I liked it because I, I drove the golf cart and I got to check on the work, at, you know, and reward the people that were doing a good job, you know? Great. Yeah, I love that idea. That's awesome. But that helps too. That helps. That's huge. When you bring food and coffee, this and that, you, you just heard it. You just said it yourself. You're out there for hours and hours and hours and you're struggling to stay in the game. And it's, it's huge to have, you know, someone tell you that they appreciate the work that you're doing. You give them some food, whatever. Believe you know. me, if my boss would have showed up with a, a extra large coffee at that time, I would have probably been a lot more <laughs> grateful um, than yeah. the, uh, than the other way around where I was getting, uh, in trouble for leaving. Um, but Hey Tom, I, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you being here with us on the podcast and got to do it again sometime. Beautiful. Anytime you guys need something, give me a call. Sounds great. Thanks again, Tom. All right, Tom, uh, again, I appreciate you being here on the program. Thanks for being with us and uh, we'll certainly talk again another time. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. So that is it for our podcast here on the Weather Lounge. Thanks for listening to the show. Remember, we'll have a new podcast every two weeks. So feel free to visit back on your um, your podcasting app and, and we'll have a lot of great information for you. Remember, we are WeatherWorks. You can find us at weatherworksinc.com and on all kinds of social media platforms. So thanks again for listening, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.